Hey guys, this is Naeem and you've reached the Mosaic Church Podcast. So excited that you're part of our listening community and I'd love for you to be even more connected. So check out our website. There's more content there and there's more opportunities for you to get connected in our ministries and events as well. Also, love for you to share this content. If this is blessed to you, I know that God wants to use you to bless other people with it. So share this podcast, if you will. Lastly, would you consider supporting this ministry? This is made possible by other people's generosity, and I'd love for you to pay it forward. Join us to reclaim the message and the movement of Jesus together. So would you consider giving to this ministry? I know that God is able to do immeasurably more through us when we come together. Thank you so much. God bless you and enjoy. I want you to reimagine what if you heard God better than anyone else. And you have to get away from this idea of like, God doesn't talk to me. No, God talks to you and you, my friend, are accountable to it. Well, good morning, friends. Morning. How are we doing? Yes, yes, man. It's summer. It's awesome. It's great. Good to see you guys. Those of you who are joining online as well. Did, you, did we acknowledge, did we make some noise for them? Did we do that? Should we do that again? Let's make some noise for them joining us online. We're glad you're joining us. Glad you're joining us. Hey, so um, uh, this is our last installment. Yes, it's finally happening. Uh, this is week, week seven of uh, Reimagine God, and uh, we're coming to the close. And I don't know if you remember this, but we, um, um, I actually brought this out a couple of weeks ago. That those of you guys who caught that message, this is the actual diamond from the ring that I gave to Ashley uh, for our engagement, right? Those of you who know what I'm talking about, it's obviously not obviously not. Um, but the series has really been about uh, uh, this idea of turning this gem, in, per, per se. It's, it's, it's a Jewish tradition that they would take the scriptures and they would turn it and, and to make sure that they would take scripture and, and present it and understand it in the reality that you're supposed to always look at it in a different way. And so this series has really been about that. This idea of, wait, what, 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 what would it look like for us to reimagine what our relationship with God could look like? Or what does it look like for us to take this passage of Scripture and just turn it just a little bit and see a different side of God? Because there's so much more out there. And I love the conversation. I've told you every week, I feel like, that, uh, that there have been so many great conversations in this uh, series. And there have been so many people who've been, in, in one sense, invited into this conversation who felt like they were really far off from God or they felt like they were kind of deconstructing, uh, maybe given up on this whole idea of being followers of Jesus. And they've been able to really go, okay, I, I think I can relate uh, in fact, I mean, just beautiful uh, conversation, even last week from someone that feels like, well, they're an outsider just looking in. And then when I talked about this idea of how God speaks to us and that God's speaking to us, uh, regardless if we believe him or not, or believe in him or not, because he, he created us. And so there's always a constant communication because God, the creator, created through communication. I mean, for me, that's like profound. It's like he spoke and the world was existed and it still exists. 
And so there's this God who's a talker. There's a God who wants to communicate. And there's so much more he wants to tell us. And so I just hope that, you know, my, my goal of this series has, uh, has come true as we end. Because, I mean, like, you know, how uh, have you ever, have you ever re- uh, um, had a moment where you're, like, really into a Netflix uh, Netflix show, and you you realize there's like a one season only, and you're on the last episode, and you're like, what do we what do we do here? Well, what, should I watch it? Should I take my time? I don't know. And you, you're like, okay, then when's the next one coming out? Not for another year? What am I gonna do in life? Like, have you had those moments? I have. That's why I've given up on on on, on uh, uh, these series. I've given up on like. Um, uh, these shows on Netflix because I'm like, I, my heart can't take this. You know what I'm saying? It can't. Like, I, I invest so much, and then they just, they just, they go, well, you know, have fun for a, for a year and a half, and we'll be back. And I'm like, come on, I don't want this. That's why I'm like, I'm just sticking to just goofy movies. That's it. That, you know, that's not like, that doesn't have anything to do with any emotion except just entertainment, and that's it. That's it. I kind of feel like this with this series. I'm like, this is the end of it. Now, obviously, you're like, I didn't feel this much emotion with this series. <laughs> well, that's fine. Whatever. Okay, I did. I did. And so this morning, I'm like, okay, what is something that I want to just kind of um, end the series with? What is the conversation that we just really should have this morning? Because my hope was is that, that we would see and love uh, like how God sees and loves us, that we would have a deeper knowledge of who he is and what he's about and uh, the life he's calling us to. And we would realize that our spiritual journey with him is so complicated, so unique. And at times we can find ourselves paralyzed by guilt or shame. We can find ourselves paralyzed by, I'm not here and I really should be here. Uh, maybe you're even stopped right now because there's so many other things going on in your life. And there are there are multitude of things that can just be, become not just road uh, bumps in a sense, but just or speed bumps. They can be detours in your life, and you go, I'm not quite sure if I can ever come back. My hope is that you would know and understand that there's so much more of God out there, that he is immeasurably more. And if you ever thought, man, I could never relate, man, you can relate. If you thought you, you out of all people are distant from God, you are not. You see, I don't believe there's any human that's far away from God. He is a breath away. And so I just hope that you've, um, you've understood this a little bit. And maybe even I've uh, sparked your curiosity. I know for some people, as we've gone and talked through some things, people have gone like, I don't know about this and never heard that before. I'm not quite sure of what I believe about that. I've had conversations where people go, I don't even know if I agree. And I'm like, yes, that's all good. It's all good because I want you to wrestle with some of the things that you grew up believing because there's, again, so much more of God. So what do we talk about? What do we talk about as we end? Well, first of all, let's just drag this on, right? This is like the season. Like, let's, let's just sit and go, what, what, what do we talk about? What do we talk about? Well, as I was thinking, I was thinking about like, okay, there's so many things because I feel like I've just scratched the surface. Uh, I do want to say, I do want to say, I want to propose that, um, I want to propose that you and I um, uh, turn the gem a little bit, reimagine what it means to be a Christian. In fact, I'm going to propose that you and I stop being Christians. Yeah, we just stopped being Christians. And some of you guys are thinking, yes, yes, I actually stopped. I actually, I did stop. 
I, I, I did, I did. I'm so glad you said that. Thank you so much. Okay, just stay for the conversation. Don't leave yet, okay? This is not God talking to you. Let's, let's just leave the church. No, no, no. Just, just relax, relax. But some, because some of you th- have said, yeah, I've stopped being a Christian because I'm now a follower of Jesus. I, I just want to say even that is cute and good, and I get what you're saying, but I think there's more to that. I want you to stop being a Christian. Uh, I know, I know. For some of you, you're like, uh, 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 yes, I, I really I don't even identify as one nor a follower of Jesus. In fact, if I were to ask you, when was the last time you called yourself a Christian? Do you even remember that conversation? When was the last time you said, hey, I'm a Christian? Or, or, or when was the last time you heard someone say, I'm a Christian? But and did you also notice that if you go back and try to recall that memory, it was probably someone with an attitude. I'm a Christian. And it's like the counterintuitive of like, what, 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 are, you, what, what are you saying? Because the idea of being a Christian in our world, modern day, comes with a lot of negative, comes with a little positive as well, for sure. But man, it's been what? It's messy. It's politicized now. And it's just, it's just so weird. And I know there's so many people who don't even want to call uh, themselves Christian. It's like, it's like you grew up in West Virginia and you don't want to claim it, right? You're like, can I make up something else? right? You grew up in a Christian faith. You grew up so very Christian, but you're like, ah, can I just not claim that? Why is it? I think it's rooted in this idea of us focusing on being a good Christian or being the best Christian out there or being Christian. I think that we've heard messages and messages about it. I think we've talked so much about being a Christian. I think that you and I need to stop being a Christian and we need to become the church. You see, if, I don't know if you've noticed this, but if you look at all the scriptures, in the, uh, you realize that all of the scriptures were, were written to a collective, not an individual. Like all the passages that you and I love and we, we take them and we tattoo them even, right? Uh, I, someone just showed me their tattoo, brand new tattoo, uh, uh, faith, hope, love. I was like, this is awesome. This is great, you know? Um, but we love those, but those are, uh, of course, we, we take them and we personalize them, but they were never said to a one person. They were always said to a people. And see, I, I don't know uh, if, if you realize this or not, but Jesus never called us a Christian and never wanted us to be a, quote-unquote, a Christian. He wanted us to become the church. See, he calls us a people, a, a bride in some passages. He calls, the, the, he calls us to, to influence the world and make disciples so they cannot just become Christians. They can become actually a church, a people. What would it look like for you and I to go, okay, hold up. What does that mean? Well, that's what I want to talk about. What does it, you, what does it look like for us to look at our spirituality and go, the goal is not becoming a Christian, it's becoming the church. And so today, like the title of this message could be ex-Christian. Now, uh, it's funny because I was talking to a pastor about this, right? And he reminded me about the book that I wrote. So I wrote a book called Ex-Muslim, right? And he was proposing, hey, what about the next title could be ex-Christian? And I was like, I cannot write that book. Come on. How many of you think I should write ex-Christian? And the third book was, I can't make up my mind. Like, that's the next, that would be the next one, right? Like, like I, but I think for funsies, I should just do one, ex-Christian. How many of you? Anybody? I just vote. We don't vote here, but we vote. Okay. Ex-Christian, we'll just do that. We'll just do that. 
Yeah. What what does it look like for us to stop and go, hold up, hold up, hold up? Could it be possible that my spirituality is more than just about me? What if all the passages of scriptures I looked at, what if all the miracles I looked at, what if all the, 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 the verses that I love so much were actually to a collective? See, there is so much truth to it. In fact, there are some things you and I will only experience in, as we're collected together. When you and I become us, we are limitless. See, that's the promises that God has given even the church, that we uh, the, the, the gates of Hades cannot stand against us. Like we are people that when we are actually a people, we are unstoppable. But as individuals, we can be taken down all day long. And if you and I uh, don't understand that uh, the scriptures need to be understood as a part of us being a part of other people's stories, then we'll miss the depth of the scriptures. I think part of it is because we don't realize what the church really is, like who the church really is. I remember several years, um, I think it was in the midst of uh, the quarantine, I made a post uh, because it was the beginning of quarantine and, and I just was encouraging our people. I made a post about, you know, about how we can't meet together, but the good thing is, you know, a church is not a place, it's a people. And I remember uh, right after that, I had a conversation with someone who asked me to take down that post. They're like, you take down that post. Uh, why are you politicizing this? I'm like, I said, and they're like, it's, it's, it's political. You're making a political statement. I'm like, I'm sorry, what? Political statement? I'm like, uh, excuse me. And I, I usually am very gracious, but I, this one kind of like, I was like, hold up. I'm not making a political statement. I'm making a biblical statement. And I knew this person in the text message. I was like, this is a biblical statement. You see, he, the, the, we don't, like, we say we have church right? We have church? No. But Jesus calls us the church. Like, in Jesus' mind, in God's mind, we don't do church. We what? We, we are church. We are church. Oh, we, we, don't, we, we don't have an experience. The, the service is a service. But the people are the church. And technically, if you go back and study it, the word to us has been like it was lost in translation because the original word for church was actually a people that was set apart, a, 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 a people who worship. And then when it got transferred over in English to our Western world, the word ch- changed. It was a German word, and it changed to a place of worship. And so now we're all confused. We always think we go to church, we do church. Man, it's, we're going to have some church. And we don't realize that we are the church. And what happens then, friends, is our spirituality is limited to you and me. It becomes individualistic. It becomes consumer-based. It becomes a very personal thing. It becomes that I can do my Jesus and I can have my Jesus at home. And I think it's really great that with quarantine, it's allowed us to like tap into, um, into um, in technology, and people are able to just sit in their houses and be safe and, and connect with God or, and, and hear, some, uh, hear a passage of Scripture or hear a sermon and uh, maybe even worship. It's great. It's awesome. But there is something missing, just so you know. You, just so you know that the, some of the things you want to step into, it, it, it's not just you doing it by yourself. It's not just you and Jesus. 
It is the collective. There are doors, there are, in, in one sense, there are rooms that you will not be able to enter into in life w- without realizing that you have to do it together. There are miracles uh, that we're going to a- able to st- a re- a step into, experience, that cannot happen unless we are a collective. That's why, that's why you, are, you and I oh, uh, feel like this energy when you're like singing together, Right? There, you, you feel it in the room. And it doesn't even have to be sometimes worship, right? You could be in group. That's why, that's why concerts exist, people, right? People love concerts. Why? There, there's a group, thousands and thousands of people with one voice. There's an, why do we have anthems? We love anthems. We love singing it out loud. We, we sing and then we look at other people singing and we're like, oh, I'm going to sing louder, right? There's something about that. Why? Because you and I are wired up to become the church, what would it look like for you to go, hold up, it's not me being a good Christian, it's me becoming the church. That comes with a lot of responsibility. That comes with a lot of, okay, okay, no, I know it's good for me, but is it good for the church? I know it's good for Mosaic, but is it good for the church? I know I can act like this and it's good for me, but is it, does it help the kingdom? Does it help the church? Does it help God's movement? See, then all of a sudden, my... Um, my spirituality is connected to yours, that I'm accountable and responsible in a sense to actually have a moment where I stop and go, how does this affect other people? Because so often in the Western world, we can live lives that are very much a, you are your own person and you, you do your own thing and you know what, your past doesn't matter, you, this is it, it you, can make, um, you can make your own life. And I get that. I totally get that. But I want you also to get that in the scriptures written, you know, written by Eastern men and, and especially Middle Eastern society, understand that Jesus always talked about collective, being identified always by the collective. Like my dad, my, it's so funny, my dad, uh, when he was, um, my dad's name is Muhammad Fazl, and uh, my, when my uh, older brother was born, his name changed to Abu Mahmoud. Okay, uh, because Mahmoud is my uh, my uh, older uh, older brother's uh, who's the first son's uh, name. So he was then called Abu Mahmoud from now on, and it was because of this uh, community that he was a part of. Now, it was so strange because in the Eastern uh, culture, your uh, identity is wrapped into the people that you belong to. And there's a sense of resp- responsibility. And so success, my friends, success. I know in the Western world, it's like success is like you can make it on your own and this person is successful. But in the scriptures, it's always a people who are successful, not a person. And so if you are famous by yourself, if you are quote-unquote successful by yourself in the kingdom, you're not successful. Is, is your people successful? Are the people around you successful? And so that's why you and I have to go, okay, hold up. What would my spirituality look like that if I actually started owning that I am the church, then my behavior, my, my conversations, my thoughts uh, have to include people around me. I think we would parent differently. We would live differently. We would work differently. We would lead differently. It would be a whole different thing. We would not be focused on all, uh, all of a sudden, hyper-focused on our individual sin. We would not keep 
wrestling with anxiety and shame because of us, us, us. We would stop looking in the, we would stop looking in the mirror and actually looking around to the people around us that our spirituality is connected to the people around us. Yeah, yeah how, uh, how are we treating the rest of the world? So, I know you're, you're thinking, okay, man, this is the last one. He's just going for it. What would it look like for you to stop, stop being a Christian and then become the church? Let me take you to a passage of Scripture here. This is, this is kind of a cool passage, and I, I don't know if you ever turned the gem on this one, like as in looked at it in a different way. It's, it's the story of when Jesus uh, fee, fed uh, the 5,000. Okay, so it starts here in John 6. It says, when then Jesus went up to a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? I mean, that's really a great question, right? That's a great question. Like, ha, ha. But it's a question that Jesus would ask, for sure, right? Uh, John writes this, right? So he says, oh, he asked this only to test him. So this is kind of a cliff note, you know, because he had, he had already had in mind what he was going to do. Well, what's great about John and people who write, write this, they write it after the fact. But I'm sure that John was clueless, too, at that point. He's like, what? What? What are we... How are we going to feed all these people? What, what, what are you, what, what's, what, what? Feeding people is a, is a big deal, right? A get-together with people is fine until there's food involved. Anybody know? <laughs> when there's food involved, all of a sudden we're like, okay, so you're allergic to what? You got allergy? What? what? When did you become vegan? I don't, what? I don't, what, what, hey, what are we doing here? Yeah, I got, I got this. You, it just gets complicated. All of a sudden, a meeting, a dinner gets super complicated, right, when there's like a lot of people involved. Have you been to, by the way, have you been to like a gathering or a meeting or an event, for even business or something, and, and they're going to they're gonna feed people, but they have no plan? Oh my gosh, right? You're like, oh, this is the worst, the worst. Like, this was not like, thank you for feeding us. No, 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 no. Thank you for making me frustrated. Like, this is, you got to have a plan. So I don't know if they're thinking that, but here we go, Jesus just has an idea, which Jesus is full of ideas, right? And then Philip says, uh, you know what, though? He answered him. He says, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Now, what he's basically saying is, Hey, this is, you know what? I love your thought behind it. It's awesome. The, the, the motive is great, Jesus. Yeah, what if we did? But let's not. Like, let's not do this. Like, I mean, we're not really wealthy. I mean, you don't even, technically, you don't even have a home. You know, we're getting funded by people to do this. I mean, I'm hungry. You're hungry. You know what? I mean, we can't do this for everybody. We can't, we can't do this. And so I think the other disciples are obviously, you know, listening to the conversation. So it says here, another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. And I think, again, this is kind of like, you know, not, it's basically not, an, not a solution. It's more like, a, yeah, this is, this is what we got here to work with. And he says here, he says, here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. 
But, but how far will they go among so many? Again, it's not, it's not like a solution. It's like a, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, at, look what we got. Look, we, we got this kid over here. I wonder who the kid was. And he was like, That's, this is my food. Like, this is my lunch. Like, what? Well, well, I'm, not, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. I don't even believe in this Jesus thing. Don't call me a Christian. Like, what? what? Like, I'm, what, you can't have my, you know, what? what, what? They were not going to take his food, obviously. The idea was, you can't, you can't do this. You can't, we can't do this. The context is, the people here have been listening to Jesus, and there have been so many people healed by Jesus individually. So that's where we enter into this. Like, that's the stage that's been set. So people have been there. They've individually experienced all kinds of miracles and all kinds of things. They've been set free from a lot of things. But this moment all of a sudden turns the corner. Now Jesus is like, yeah, but yeah, yeah, but I want to show you something. I want to show you something that's deeper than you just being a Christian and you just coming and getting your own blessing and your own healing. I want you to experience something collectively. I'm going to allow you to experience a miracle as a group. That, you, as, as the, that when it's talked about, it's like you were there and you were part of it. So what does he say? He says, okay, he says then, he says, have the people sit down. And there was plenty of grass in that place and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. And they put that about 5,000 because they would, uh, their tradition was that they would not count the women and children at some point. So some people believe it was actually more like 10,000 people. Could you imagine the planning involved in 10, 000, feeding 10,000 people? Could, who wants to even do that, right? Like, I mean, I mean, who would you even employ? I mean, Chick-fil-A has got it down. They do have it down. They're, they're drive-through. They got a system. I don't even know how it works. I want to just freak them out. I want to switch cars around. They just know exactly, right? They, but, but how do you feed all these people? And, then, and why, why would Jesus, after healing so many people, after doing all these miracles, want them to experience this? So he tells them to sit down. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to them who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. Now how did he do that? Obviously, they, they, they got up and they sat out in groups. Uh, other translations, other passages, other gospel talk about groups of 50. They, they sat down, and then Jesus distributed this food. My question is, my question is it starts with, the, the, with the, the kid's lunch, right? First of all, he's got to get over that. He's probably crying, okay? And then like, no, no, we'll get you back. We'll, we'll give you this toy back. Well, it's, it's going to be better. It's going to be great, okay? But then he... he, he breaks it, he blesses it, and then he starts passing it. it. Where does this miracle begin to take place? See, I think it says here, it says here that when they had, they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. Number one, Jesus doesn't like, finish your plate. Don't, like, <laughs> do not throw food away, okay? But the miracle lasted as long as many people needed the miracle. It lasted as they passed things around. Now, could it be possible that here Jesus is illustrating, hey, let me just turn the gem, let me just show you. Now, and we just had a service where I heal people, but let me tell you what the church looks like. 
See, what church looks like is when we are gathered together and we all experience a miracle together. So you and I will be talking about this. So when you pass the basket, when you pass the things, you might even actually see it increase right in front of your eyes. So this will be told for generations and generations and generations to come. The day we sat around and we passed around and we were not just, we were not just uh, you know, the ones getting the blessing, we in fact became a blessing to people. See, that is, that is the goal of what Jesus wants from us. It is us not having more and more blessings. It's not hashtag blessed. It's be a blessing. When Jesus tells his disciples, hey, come follow me, he says, I will make you fishers of what? Anybody remember? Men. He does not say great fishermen. He does not say that. Why? Because he's talking about, I'm going to make you a blessing, not just make sure that you get a blessing. And see, I think for some of us, as we're trying to navigate church, as we try to navigate the messiness of community, we forfeit all the things that God wants us to help facilitate in other people's lives. There are so many miracles. There's so many answers to prayers. They're not going to be realized because for some of us, we are not going to sit in groups. We're not going to sit and eat together. We're not going to be involved in the messiness of just being together. I'm pretty sure that there are some, of, some people, and I know there's some people who are watching and listening in this room, if, you, if the plan was, okay, now we're all going to eat together, you'd be like, deuces, I'm out. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not doing this. I'm not, doing, I'm not experiencing this. I'm going to go, I'm going to hit up, hit up drive by, by myself. I'm going to do my own thing. Because community is messy. Becoming the church is messy. That means you and I have to sacrifice our comfort, our timeline, our convenience, and put it aside. We have to be now responsible of, of the fact that, no, 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 we, we, we are people that are moving in a particular directions, and what's important is that we move together. See, the reason why, the reason why when I say the word Christian, and some of us twitch a little bit, right? We have a, maybe a trigger, is because so, for so long, we've been focusing on just becoming a, like Christ-like ourselves. See, it's when we move to going, okay, we are supposed to be in community. It's supposed to be messy. It's supposed to take longer. It's supposed to be complicated. But that's where the miracle lies. See, I'm so grateful because I, I don't know if you realize this, that, that it is so important as people coming from the outside into Christianity to know that, that the church is the goal, not just being a Christian. See, what I mean by that is that, like, I came from a Muslim background, and I, I experienced the church after I met, met Jesus. And the church that I experienced with people in, in college, uh, the people who I know for semesters bought me my books because I was so broke I couldn't, I couldn't afford it. I, there are families who fed me and my brother and my sister for years. I got to experience the church in a beautiful way. And I got to tell you, it was not a service. 
And it was not like, oh my gosh, this place. No, it was people. It was always people. And if there's anything that I can point to that has helped me become the person I am, it's people, not services and not sermons. It's people. It's always been people. People who are committed to becoming the church. What if Christians stop focusing on being the best Christians and focused on becoming the best church? We would be unstoppable. Because when we focus on other people, everyone gets a blessing. No one, no one, no one goes home hungry. And there's always extra. There's always extra. I mean, there, the, the, the idea of this, like, what do you even do? Like, what did they do with the leftovers, right? Did they go back to the kid and go, okay, here you get it. Here it is. It doubled. It was like a lot. Like some people, some passages said it was 12 baskets. I mean, it's the craziness, okay? I mean, what do you do with, I mean, the leftover miracle is bigger than your reality right now. Like, how do you experience something like that? You experience it by being in community, being connected to each other. So my question is, is what are you trying to figure out by yourself today? And you're going, oh man, if I, I, just, I just need to, are you trying to grow spiritually by yourself? Are you trying to focus, man, if I could just get myself together, if I could just become a better Christian? Does the world really need you to become a better Christian? Or does the world need a better church? I think the world needs a better church. The world needs a better church. It needs a good, great picture of what the church could, could be. At Mosaic, if, you've, uh, if you haven't been here uh, for a while, we have this very clear um, reason why we exist. Our, like we have our why. Like why we do we even exist? Because there's so many beautiful churches in this city, uh, in this world. Why do we exist? And so our mission, the reason why we exist, is to reclaim the message and the movement of Jesus. To reclaim what it actually looks like. And that's why a series like this plays right into the conversation. Hey, what does it mean for us to rediscover, reclaim, realign what the scriptures are actually saying? Or what are they saying more that we need to discover and explore? What does the church, the movement of Jesus even look like? And that's why the mosaic is an expression of that, because we believe that there needs to be a diverse community. That's what the movement of Jesus looks like. And because we've been focused on trying to become the best church in a sense, not to become the best Christians. We are intentionally doing that. The conversations that I'm trying to have with myself and for all of us, our staff, is that what does it look like for us to become the best church to represent the God? Because it is that what he's given his son for. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. All, if, if not all, the most of the promises in the scriptures are always to us always to us and not necessarily to just you and me can we apply them of course we can but when we start misinterpreting the promises we misunderstand the promises and we are dis disappointed when they are not realized because some of the miracles some of the blessings that you are waiting for only happens as a collective only happens when we come together what i mean by that is 
is that there's someone in your life that God has called to be a blessing for you. You, my friend, is an, you're the answer to someone else's prayer. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, sure, sure, sure. I know, because what, what I sometimes focus on is, well, I just need my prayer answered. And God is saying, you are actually a prayer that someone else is praying. You are the actual miracle. Yeah, but I just want my miracle. I just, you are it. If you would just sit and gather together, I will take whatever little that you bring and I will multiply it, that it will feed five, ten thousands of people and there will be nothing wasted. Nothing in your life will be wasted. I want to use every part of who you are to bless the people around you. Imagine, friends, that kind of church. But as long as we uh, stay focused on that kind of church, we can be the church that God wants us to be. This, this painting, uh, this actually not painting, this artwork here that, we've, uh, that we made, we created that. Uh, Vinnie Candelore and myself and some of the team members, we created this, and it was like very intentional of what we put up there. Uh, and I, mean, I know some of you guys are like, can I buy that print? Uh, I guess you can. I don't know. Uh, we don't have it. Just take a picture. Uh, but uh, uh, we... Uh, we put in intentional things in there. And if you notice, there's a door right behind me, and it opens up, and there's actually a painting back there. Anybody, rem- anybody uh, re- kind of recognize that painting, right? Starry Night, of course, yeah? And some of you guys are like, I've heard Starry Night. Okay, I know. You're all about Starry Night. Yeah, I'm all about that, all about a lot of paintings. But Starry Night is, is, is unique because several years ago, I read a book called um, uh, Culture Care by this Japanese artist and author, uh, Makoto Fujimura. And uh, he talked about Van Gogh's painting. And Starry Night is, in fact, an indictment against the church. Uh, If you notice in Starry Night, um, uh, it's known for, obviously, the brightness of everything. It's known for light. And it's, uh, it's it's very, it's very unique because if you go back and watch it, um, I don't you know, I think you can actually see it right there as well. So the, right there that we put in this, the, the part of the painting um, is the point. You see, in that painting, everything has light. All the houses have light in them, and the only ch- the, um, building that does not have a light is the church. See, Van Gogh was a pastor, ordained pastor, and he had a congregation, and uh, he chose to love people um, versus keep up practices. And he focused on uh, making his church uh, a church that it was all about people and not the place and not ceremony. And he got fired because of that. Now I'm giving you the cliff notes of, this, uh, of his uh, life. There's a great book uh, by uh, Ivan Stone called uh, Lust for Life. And uh, it goes into his story. It's, it's profound. It's, it's thick, but it's, it's, it's worth it. But this painting was an indictment basically saying that the church just pretends uh, that there's light everywhere else. The, there is no light in the church. And he walked away, and obviously he did have some, uh, j- just some you know, men- mental health issues as well. He was a complicated guy. He was an artist, uh, obviously, as well. And so sometimes artists, you know, uh, <laughs> right. I, I'm saying that because I am, just ask my wife, you know. She's like, she'll do this, she'll do this. Um, but that's why uh, this painting is very special to us. Because there are so many Van Goghs out there that have left the church 
because they believe that there's no light in the church. And the truth of the matter is, is because there is no people, because every person has left to become a Christian, and no one wants to become the church. And what if you and I decided we are going to become the church? So let me just ask you, what would your life look like? What would your spirituality look like when you, if you asked yourself, yourself this question every time you made a decision, a spiritual, a spiritual decision? How is this going to benefit the church? How, 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 is, how is it going to benefit the kingdom of heaven? How is it going to move the church forward? How is that going to happen? Let me read you a passage, last passage of scripture here, and I want to pray for, you, for us. Matthew 16. Uh, Matthew 16, in context, is Jesus and Peter talking. And P- Jesus asked him, like, who do you think I am? And Jesus answers. And uh, then Jesus says this. He says, I-, I, tell you, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. See, as a Christian, um, you and I have limits, but, but as a church we are limited. This. The, 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 the gates of hell will not. No, no, no. We, have, we will be such a, a powerful force that we, that we are going to spend more time um, rushing the gates of hell to rescue people. You see, you see the difference? As Christians, we're just trying not to go to hell. But the church, all of a sudden, when you and I realize we're the church, we're going, well, no, we are the church, and we've been given power from on high, that we are part of this beautiful uh, story of the people of God, that we have power that's beyond us, that we don't just live our spirituality trying to make sure we don't get anywhere close to even the gates of Hades. No, we go into hell to rescue people out. That's what Jesus even did when he died. The scripture says he went down to rescue people. So what would your spirituality look like if you decided, hey, I'm going to become the church. I'm going to become the church. Let me pray for us. Lord God, we thank you so much for this morning. God, I know that these conversations have been conversations that have allowed us to really... um, open our minds and our thoughts to, could it be possible? And I pray, God, that today, today, that you would in particular remind us that, God, you, you chose us and you are, um, you're in this moment with us and we're in this moment with you because you have chosen us. And not just because we're, um, we're so special, because we are, we have intrinsic value, God, we, we, we know that. But God, there is a special calling that we have. There's a special work that needs to be done. God, for so many of us, God, we find ourselves consumed uh, with the spirituality just that, that we're just trying to get better. We're just trying to not sin and just be more friendly people. We focus so much on the mirror, God, that we know every flaw about us. And we focus on the flaws of ourselves and not the cries of the people around us. That we're, God, we're so focused on all the, all the details 
in all the points and all the, the all the all the things, God, that that we don't have together, and we we're deaf to the to the cries and the pains of the people around us. God, I pray that even as a church, as a as a collective here at Mosaic, that we would realize that there are there's a world out there that needs us, that there are people out there in pain. There are people out there in torment. There are people out there living and, and experiencing a much harder reality right now than the one we're in. God, allow us to move away from the sense of my spirituality versus our spirituality, God. Allow us to move away from being so um, consumer-oriented. God, I... Uh, God, allow us to open our eyes, open our ears, open our hands to the people around us. Let us become the church, God, that you died to create, a people that, that move in love, with love, to transform the world around us. God, I pray for that this morning. God, help us realize that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Mosaic Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more audio and video content, visit us at mosaicchurch.tv.